Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the Path Forward podcast. I'm Savvy Smith, and I'm so excited to be hosting my first episode on this podcast. To kick off this new era, today I have with me the wonderful Sarah Colley, who is currently a junior and the leader of our school's Positive Mental Health Association. On top of that, she works for the Mayor's Youth Commission, addressing need across the city of Chicago relating to mental health and education. Thank you so much for joining us, Sarah. Of course, I'm excited to be here. Awesome. So let's dive right in. What is PMA and why did you start it? So PMA, I started it to kind of address a need that I thought was really prevalent at Peyton and that wasn't really being addressed already. So I wanted to make sure that in starting a club, it was something original and something we didn't already have. I didn't want repetition. So PMA was created to address the need of this huge mental health issue we have at Peyton, as most schools across the country have in teenagers, kind of in around everyone around our age. So PMA for me is about first and foremost, creating community. It's about having a group of people that you feel okay being vulnerable with and talking about prevalent issues with and having those hard conversations with. And then second of all, bringing awareness and education to mental health issues that we don't talk about in school. We don't have classes on in school. We just, it's such a lacking issue. And so I tried, I'm trying to make PMA a place that addresses both a lack of community and um, a lack of discussion around really, really important mental health topics. Yeah. I love uh, hearing you talk about kind of that community you've created. Um, So you describe this to me as like your passion project. And so I love hearing you talk about, you know, kind of the issues at Peyton. Can you point out some like specifics that you've seen and, you know, what might be different about Peyton's environment specifically? Yeah, for sure. I think that one issue that is kind of rising in a lot of high schools, but we see it a lot in Peyton because it's a really, really selective school to attend is this issue of competitiveness and an issue of prioritizing individualism over collaboration and collectivism. And I think that that not only reflects in a negative way in our work, because when we're so focused on achieving for just ourselves, we forget that it's a lot easier to create really, really good work when we're asking questions to our peers and when we're asking them for help and when we're putting our ideas together to then make work that reflects different identities and different points of view. And with that, I feel like that not only is a, has a negative effect on our work, but also on our minds and our souls because we're not used to saying, here, I'm struggling right now and I need help with this because we feel like it makes a poor reflection on who we are. When it doesn't, it's actually a really big strength of bravery when you're able to say, here's this issue I'm having and I need help with it. So I think that the culture of individualism at Peyton was a huge issue I saw and that I really wanted to address when I started PMA. Yeah, I definitely see that. There's a lot of, uh, you know, individualism and in the way that schoolwork has been structured, uh, I think across the American school system in, you know, high schools and even, uh, you know, the college application process, you know, prioritizing, you know, the individual grades and these very few tests, I can definitely relate to, you know, that issue there um, within education. Um, So you were talking about, 
you know, covering some mental health issues. And so for, can you go over how a typical meeting would be structured to kind of talk about these issues? Um, I personally have been to a few meetings, um, you know, but a lot of people I think might be interested to hear about, you know, what would be talked about. Yeah, for sure. So this year we kind of started a new structure um, because we're virtual and also just because I wanted to, again, foster more collaboration and community. So now how we start our meetings is usually we have a few new members every week, which is lovely. So we'll go around and do some names and pronouns. And then we do something called hits and misses where you're able to share one thing that has gone really well for you since we last met and one thing that hasn't gone so well. And we all share that. And usually that leads to some conversation. And then after that, we have one of my favorite parts of our meetings, which is our podcast discussion. So we listen to a podcast related to some sort of just well-being topic in between our meetings, and then we're able to talk about it. And usually the podcasts are super informative because podcasts are just a great platform to get information out there. And you're able to listen while maybe you work out or you do something else. So I found that it's a great medium to invite people to listen to, hey, a half an hour this week where you learn something. Um, And so we talk about that. We've had discussions in there about um, the grading system, how it's harmful to our mental health and to learning in general. We've listened to podcasts about overachieving, about individualism versus collectivism. So some really, really cool discussions. And then to wrap up our meetings, we have a different person every week. We go between about 10 board members that um, each prepare a discussion plan for us. So we've had discussions about something as kind of general as stress to specifically how to manage stress in the college application process. We've had people talk about how cultural identity relates to mental health issues. So since we have so many people that help plan discussions for us, we're able to really have a wide range of discussions on various wellness issues. Yeah, that's really great. Um, What has been your favorite thing that you've learned about, whether it's been from the presentations or from the podcast that you listen to? Oh my gosh, there's so much that I learn and it's hard looking back, but I think one podcast that I noticed I learned a lot from, and I also kind of, again, the point of the podcast is to spark discussion. I learned a lot also from hearing from people that had other things to say about it was when we listened to a podcast about um, the origins of the grading system in the U.S. and kind of how it's evolved to affect us more negatively than positively. That was a really big eye opener, especially since we're so kind of engrossed in the grading system and it feels so natural to us that it's really kind of a shell shock. Just take a step back and look at it from the outside being like, wow, this is a really ineffective system. Yeah, that's definitely a super interesting topic. And I could see how a lot of discussion would be sparked between high school students. Um, Do you have any personal connection to mental health issues, just out of sheer curiosity? Um, Yeah, I do, which is uh, probably as someone who starts a club around mental health, you would assume that um, they've had some of their fair share of experiences with it. So I have um, had anxiety for a really, really long time, specifically OCD. Um, I've kind of suffered it from it since I was a very young child. Um, and I was diagnosed with it when I was 11. Um, so that was pretty young. And then I had my first experience going through kind of therapists and psychiatrists, which is 
to be honest, as like a young kid, kind of a scary thing to go through. It's really intimidating, you know, walking into all of these offices with people you're hoping can help you, but you don't really know. Um, and then my freshman year of high school, when I was 14, I experienced depression for the first time. And so I was diagnosed with de clinical depression. And that was, again, just kind of a second really, really difficult experience. Um, it's hard to put into words, you know, and that's I wanted with PMA, I had kind of, by the point I was starting PMA, learned really good coping mechanisms. And I was on um, SSRIs, which to reduce the stigma about it, I'll go ahead and tell you that I'm on them. Um, and they've saved my life. I mean, it's as simple as that. They've allowed me to be someone that can do things I love and that can have, be really successful in school and pursue all of these things I want to do. Because just like you would never deny someone that has diabetes their insulin. You should never deny someone that has a serotonin deficiency their serotonin. Um, so that's how I think about SSRIs. But kind of going back to, again, um, my experience with mental health in general and how that led to PMA, as someone that experienced anxiety and depression, and honestly, when I was experiencing depression for the first time at Peyton, I felt really isolated. And I felt like it was really hard to talk about not only my peers, but with my teachers and my counselors, I just didn't really feel super safe talking to people about that. And I felt like I would be judged or that people wouldn't want to be around me, which couldn't be further from the truth. But also at Peyton, it's hard to talk about those things sometimes. And I think that we're definitely getting better at it, but we're still not there yet. And so with PMA, I wanted to create a place where if you're having a really bad day, you can come into us and say, I'm having a really bad day and I'm going to try and I'm, I can only give you what I have right now. And I felt like that's something that's sorely lacking at Peyton, being able to say, I don't have a lot to give you right now and I'm going to do my best, but I might not be fully there. And that's OK. And we can ex we should always be trying to meet people where they're at. So that was another big thing with PMA. And I feel like if you talk to our board members, they'll tell you that I'm pretty flexible with things like deadlines and what I ask them to do, because I always want to be someone that's understanding of how complex and difficult life is. And again, that's another thing with the PMA community is that we're really, really good about being understanding. Yeah, I love that. Um, PMA, being an organization that relates to mental health, you kind of began touching on it, but how does your leadership differ then when you have an emphasis on personal and individual well-being? Yeah, for sure. So this is our first year kind of getting together a board, and I have a vice president, Eleanor Burke, who is also amazing, um, and she's really, really um, – she's just someone that you want to have by your side because she's, no matter what – very empathetic. And she's always thinking about your needs, not only hers, which is why I'm really, really happy to work with her. But our board, like I said, we have about 10 members of us in total. And we, again, kind of our big thing, and that's why we have so many board members, is never putting too much on someone's plate. Because I know in my work, when I'm feeling overwhelmed, things just don't turn out as well. And I'm not able to produce things that I'm super proud of and that I'm really happy to share with people. And I just didn't want that for PMA as a club. I wanted our meetings to be something that we felt like this was really worth our time, especially when we're in remote learning. It's really hard to get people to come for your to your meetings for 50 minutes to an hour every day because 
Again, they're on computers all day long in meets, but I've been really happy with the turnout of PMA. And I think that the reason why we're getting the turnout we're looking for is because again, it is simply a place where you give what you have and you form community and you're able to talk to people. And that reflects in our board, going back to your question, is that we I try to never ask too much of our board members and our deadlines are always flexible. So if I ask you to do something, as long as you communicate with me, I have no questions as to why you're getting it in late or to why you need my help with it or an extension or anything like that. Yeah, that's great. That space that you've created seems, you know, like a really strong community. And I think what's really special about it is it gives an opportunity for socialization. And like you've said, you know, meeting people where they're at, right? Because there isn't a lot of space with that anymore in remote learning. You know, teachers, they began the year very strong with all these community builders. And now, you know, we're in January nearing second semester and all of a sudden, you know, there's no more room for socialization. They, you know, maybe we talk about what we did over break, but then we're back to, you know, that same cycle of work. And so, you know, in that way, I can see, you know, why PMA has been so successful this year, um, which is really great. I think, you know, can you speak a little bit about, you know, the shifts that you've noticed uh, just within even PMA culture, you know, from a year in person where you had begun to now? I mean, you've spoken about it a little bit, you know, but are there any like, you know, bigger shocks that have happened to, you know, this year? Yeah, for sure. I think that there have been both good and bad things, right? As we're kind of finding a lot with our shift to um, online, doing everything online. Um, One thing is we're able to meet like regularly every week kind of without interruption. So that is one great thing is that our schedule is really reliable because we're all, we have a little bit of more flexible schedules. That is, we're kind of spending less time in school. We're spending less time. I definitely think for a lot of people, homework has at least lessened kind of a little bit this year. So it gives us time and kind of the mental capacity to be present in our meetings. We're not thinking about during enrichment, oh, I have to go say something to this teacher. I have to make up this quiz so I can't make it today, which has really allowed us to have well thought out kind of a really good turnout for our meeting. So that's something really good that's happened. Um, And then something, again, there's always negatives is that it is harder. And I put myself in this category to produce things and to commit yourself to making things like I, you know, to listening to that podcast and to writing down some notes on that podcast and to making that discussion plan it's harder because motivation is really difficult right now. So that is just one minor thing that I've noticed in myself and in kind of our group as a whole is that it is difficult to motivate yourself to do things, but that is completely okay again, because we have to be really understanding during these times. Yeah, definitely. I think your understanding uh, mode of mind has, you know, has been really clear throughout PMA. Um, And that could, you know, really nicely be translated to teachers, um, which might provide a nice segue into kind of talking about your work um, with the mayor's office. Um, So you told me that you talk about or you work with them on, you know, mental health issues in education. Um, So what does that work there look like? So... The Mayor's Youth Commission is kind of a new commission. So again, a lot of it is figuring out as you go, which is nice because we have a lot of flexibility with what we do. 
But one of the really prevalent things that I've been doing since I joined the commission is that we're able to give a lot of input to the mayor's office on initiatives that they're working on. So that entails, the mayor's office has an initiative called My, um, My Shy My Future, which basically provides kind of resources to youth in Chicago with whatever they want to pursue, whether that's music, sports, academics, anything. So I've helped, one thing that's been really cool is helping them out with developing their app and designing their website. So just kind of looking for things that, what do youth want to see in a website? What do youth want to see as my shy, my future? So that's been something that's really cool because in participating in these kind of design and focus groups, you realize that there's a disconnect between youth and the industry and people that are, you know, adults that are working. There's not really a place to connect to like they're trying to create something for youth, but it's not actually really benefiting youth because youth voice hasn't been used. So that's kind of a really, really, really cool thing. I feel like on the youth commission is that it's providing a space for us to give that feedback that has been really missing in a lot of Chicago initiatives. Yeah, that's great. Um, specifically, you know, I you've talked about that disconnect. Um, and I think, again, that's, you know, is really a- applicable to remote learning and teachers. Do you get the opportunity to give them feedback as well, just on school? So that's really, really interesting that you bring that up because I was actually recently nominated to be on a working group, working with researchers, educators, principals, um, and then kind of just Chicago, the mayor's office K through 12 operators with a focus on how do we make remote learning optimized for students and how do we even, so this working group, we're about to just get started. So we're meeting from right now, January to April to answer that exact question because, and I feel like it's interesting even that this working group is starting so late, but I am really excited that it's happening because remote learning has happened so fast and it's, as you've said, there's this disconnect and honestly, it's really not the best experience for anyone right now. But what this group is doing, and its name is Clear, so that's kind of the name of the group that's going to be working towards this, is how do we try and do our best in a way that's safe, in a way that's best for students and teachers to address these issues? Because remote learning is, uh, like, I mean, I've said it again, I'll say it again, it's not the best right now, and it's not a great experience for any of us. And also answering the question of, how do we transition from remote learning to in-person learning? Because after, at that point, it'll probably have been about a year or a year and a half for most children that are going back to school. And that is a long, long time. And that is going to be a really, really interesting period. So I'm really excited to be a part of this group to answer those questions that you're exactly asking about. How do we bring youth voice into the question? How do we bring educators into the question of, what will make this a more improved experience for us? Yeah, that's, you know, some really important work that's happening there, especially because, you know, what we talked about earlier that, uh, you know, difficulty with putting out a product is applicable, is applicable to both, you know, the sides of the teacher and the student. You know, I can imagine it must be unbelievably difficult to have to put together, you know, presentations on, you know, various subjects and teach students in a way that it's, very hard for anyone to engage with. Um, So that work, you know, is like 
very, very important, and that's uh, really exciting. Um, so we are almost out of time, but I was just wondering, um, you know, what were your, like, you know, what are your big takeaways? What are your last few thoughts on, you know, everything we talked about today, you know, both PMA and mental health, and then, you know, your work with the mayor's office? Yeah, so I would say the the one thing I want to convey is just that these times, so during now when we have remote learning and we're kind of on a semi-lockdown again, and it's been like 10 months since we started all of this, which is a crazy long time, is that I would say, again, and I this is kind of coming full circle to what we talked about at the beginning, give what you have and don't give more or less than that. So if you commit to something or if you feel passionate about something and you feel like you have that energy, then do it. But there's no point in overworking yourself because your only responsibility ever is to make sure that you're doing what you need to do and making sure that you're taking care of yourself and making sure that you're getting done those things that are really important to you. So I would just want to convey that I'm trying to practice that in everything that I do. I'm trying to practice being patient with myself. I'm trying to practice staying connected. So I would also say to you kind of on a second note, Um, community during this time is really important. So whether that be a club at school or whether that be just kind of making sure you're staying connected with your friends, you need to have people that you're comfortable talking to. Yeah, some great insights and some super interesting and eye-opening stuff about mental health and remote learning in our current state. Um, Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you for having me for my first episode for hosting. Um, And thank you, Sarah, for joining us on the show today. Of course, I'm really happy to be here and I hope everyone's doing well and staying safe. Yep, of course. All right, make sure to give us a like, share, a comment, and subscribe and we will see you next week.